0: Okay, so today we'll be in Acts chapter 16, verses 23 through 24. I mean, no, verses 23 through 34. Uh, I guess one, one of my favorite hymns I'll always play, uh, It always this part always gets to me in, chapter, uh, in verse 3, I mean, uh, Sweet Hour of Prayer. So you know, it's talking about how great prayer is, right? But you know what makes it interesting at the very end is, you know, it talks about you know, when it's gonna, when we're going to be able to say farewell, farewell, sweet hour of prayer. Amen. Because, you know, Amen. if we've accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we will have a day where we get to say farewell, Amen. farewell, sweet hour of prayer to Amen. Jesus Christ. And we will get to see him face to face. Amen. And just, just thinking about that is wonderful. Because God, that is just wonderful. Because Jesus didn't have to go to the cross for us. But he loved us so much that he did it for us. And the other thing that, you know, God's been good today with all the uh, testimonies, with all the songs, and I guess one of my other hymns, that the other one I played, God Lead Us Along, I, I lost the page number, I grabbed it, because there's just one, just always that chorus to me is like a special, it's a special chorus, because once I find it, I'll share it, but... Okay. You know, here's what, the, here's what the first part of the chorus says. Some through the waters, some through the flood, some through the fire, but all through the blood. Amen. Amen. You know, just thinking about that with Sweet Hour of Prayer, right? We have to be through the blood to be able to experience that farewell, farewell Sweet Hour of Prayer. And we may go through different trials. We may go through different things. We may go through waters. We may go through floods. We may go through fires at times. But... But it's, guess what? What are we under? We should be under the blood. Amen. Because if we are a Christian today, we may all, we all are going to experience different trials. But we are going to be under the blood. We're all going to be through the blood if we have accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior for the forgiveness of our sins. Amen. Amen. And starting out, Acts chapter 16, uh, verse 23. And when they have laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who, having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. Amen. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately All the doors were opened, and everyone's bands were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awaking out of his sleep, seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had been fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light. And sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul in silence and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thy house. And they spake unto him the words of the Lord and to all that were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night. And washed their stripes and was baptized, he and all his straightway. And when he had brought them into his house, he set meat before them and rejoiced, believing in God with all his house. Amen, amen, amen. Uh, next, I just want to take it in the prayer. <sighs> no, 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 not that again. Box spoken feedback. Not again, not again. 64%. Chromebox spoken feedback is ready. I learned how to turn it off this time, so that's better. This happened last time when I was preaching, so the Chrome box just got enabled, so it started talking. Uh, so now, now we'll take it in the prayer after this slight little distraction. Sorry about that. Uh, God, just thank you for what you've done so far today, Lord. Just. Thank you for the willing testimonies, Lord. Just thank you for these people being willing to testify about you, Lord. And just be willing to praise you, Lord, because there is so much to praise you about. And God, just get me out of the way today. I want want to see work be done today. I want to see souls changed, But it's not going to be in my power, Lord. It's never in my power. But it's through your Holy Spirit, Lord, that does the work. And Lord, use the Holy Spirit in me to do the work. And Lord, just open people's hearts lord because it's not going to be through me there's going to be no victory through me but it's going to be all through you if there's any lord and just pray for everyone that hears it here or even live stream god and just help it to have an impact and jesus name amen Amen. Amen. so paul begins this is about towards the beginning-ish or maybe middle-ish of paul's but paul is on his second missionary journey and one of the areas he heads to is the region of Macedonia. And, you know, Paul had a desire. He wanted to go to the region of Asia and teach the gospel. But he was forbidden by the Holy Ghost. God did not want him to go to Asia for, this, for a particular reason. It doesn't. The Bible doesn't really state why exactly. But, you know, sometimes we in our lives, just like Paul, we desire to do a good work for God. But it may not be in us who he wants us to do that job. Because you think about it, another big example of this would have been, it's not that God didn't want the gospel to be spread in Asia, he didn't want Paul to do it. Because you think about this, David, he had a desire to build the temple, he had a desire to build the temple of God. He wanted to build it. But you know, God told him that he was not going to build it. It was going to be his son that was going to build it. You know, sometimes that's how it is going to be in our lives. We may desire to do something just like David or just like Paul, but God has somebody else he wants to do the work with. Yeah. Yeah. And so Paul, he gets a vision from a man of Macedonia, and the man of Macedonia prayed him and told him to come into Macedonia. This All this basically comes from earlier in chapter 16. So Paul, he heads over to this area Because he was assured that's where the Lord wanted him to be. So he followed where the Lord wanted him to be and and where the Lord wanted him to preach the gospel to. And, you know, they check out many cities in the Macedonia region, including the city here where this event takes place in Philippi. And, you know, Philippi is a chief city of Macedonia. So it's one of the leading cities, and it's also a Roman colony which means it's a place where a number of Roman military veterans would have lived after the completion of their service. And that means this city would have followed Roman law. They would have, because of how much Roman, the Roman colony and the Roman influence of all the Romans there and the Roman leadership. But, you know, Paul came to this area, and he witnessed the gospel when he could. And Paul, in earlier, in earlier verses, he has a few opportunities to speak to others, and share the gospel and he also had a few opportunities to baptize but what I want to look at today is first we got to look at what got Paul sent to jail you know Paul Paul and the group they go to prayer and you know a certain woman who in verse 16 says that she was possessed with a spirit of uh, divination she uh she basically, verse 17 says what she did. The same followed Paul and us and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which uh, show up unto us the way of salvation. And, you know, and verse 18 adds, And and this she did many days. So she would have been uh, basically... Uh, her, she would kind of would have been basically like enslaved almost, and her masters basically used her ability to, because she would have been like an oracle, like in ancient Roman times, which they would have like, because Romans, they wanted some sort of future telling, so they would go find ungodly spirits and try to find it. And this, this woman had one in her, and they, so these people took advantage of her and used her for profit and gain. So her masters were taking advantage of her, but she saw these people, and then she started going around and basically just following him around many days, just crying this out so often. And you know, this thing grieved Paul. You know, verse 18, it says, but Paul, being grieved, turned it and said to the spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out of the same hour. you You know... you notice how powerful the name of Jesus Christ is. Right. The name of Jesus Christ can cast out devils. It can cast out familiar spirits. Amen. It has the power over those things. And, you know, it gets cast out. So now the masters just lost all their money. Yeah. They're going to be angry. So, you know, in their anger, they, since they just lost a bunch of money, they lost a hope of their gains because this was a big money maker for them because the Romans, they worshiped. Mythology, And they would go to Oracles. This was a big-time industry that they would make off their money, and the masters just lost all of it. And they went to the marketplace and unto the rulers, and they brought, and verse 20 says, and brought them to the magistrates, saying, These men being Jews, do exceedingly trouble our city, and teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe being Romans. So they went and complained to the magistrates right. saying what they did was wrong. What Basically complaining about Paul and uh, Silas and, yeah. Yeah. and the multitude since now they came up and angered other people. They angered up the rulers and now they also rose up a multitude against them. Amen. And these magistrates rent off their clothes and they were commanded to beat them and they got laid stripes and then Next, what they were going to do, the Paul and Silas, is they sent them to prison. And this is now, now you have the full story, and now we'll get started with what, what I have, what God's laid on my heart to preach today. And so, verse uh, Acts 16, 23 through 24. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who, having received such a charge thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks uh, so because of their profession of faith because of what they believed they got they got beat they had stripes they got stripes laid against them so they were getting beat up and they got cast and they got cast in the prison because because these people saw the power of God and did not like it and, and you know, here's what they tell them. Here's what the magistrates tell them to do. They charge the jailer to keep them safely because they wanted them to be kept safely. And he, since the jailer received such a charge, he puts them into the inner prison and he made their feet fast to in the stocks. And... Since this jailer did not want these people escaping, he didn't want them getting harmed or anything, so he had to keep them. Because, because if he would, anything bad would happen, it would not be well for the Roman jailer. And so he puts them... So Roman prisons had an inner part, and they had an outer, outer part. And so in the outer part, they, uh, the outer part would have been... The outer part would have had uh basically would have been like where the lesser prisoners, the best way to say it would be. But in the inner prisoner prison would have been where like all the bad prisoners were. So they got pretty much cast in the inner part where what they would call all the bad prisoners were, because of how much they wanted to really keep them locked up. And they also got they got put in stocks, which would have basically been some that would go went around like their ankles. So they weren't going to be able to escape or anything like that. And, and another thing, as I was looking up a little bit more about Roman prisons, because I thought it was necessary to learn, just so I had a little bit of background, is Roman prisons, uh, they didn't, like today's jails, we kind of all, one person's in their own jail cell, you know, that's not how Roman prisons were. They chained a bunch of people all in the same cell. So Paul and Silas were in a, with another group of other people while they were in the jail cell. And now we get to verse 25. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. Amen. You know, in their troubles, in their problems, we get to see what Paul and Silas did. We get to see their actions that they took when after they just got put in prison for being believers and doing the work and power of the Lord. And they got put there. And it's not... And look, we see they didn't go bitter against God. They didn't go against Him. But they prayed to Him. And you know, and look what they did next. They sang praises to, to God. Amen. And, you know, when we're in our troubles, when we're in those hard times, instead of complaining about it and being bitter and bickering about it, sometimes we just need to pray to God about it. Amen. Yeah. Just like Paul and Silas took it to God. We need to do the same thing. And, but you know what I want to look at? They, but they just didn't take their prayer to God. They took their praises to God, too. Yeah. And even in those nights where the trial weighs on us heavily and when different things are really getting to us, we should be able to find something to still praise God about because God has done so much in our lives. He has blessed us so much. We should find something to praise God about because there's always something because he gives us extra, extra life because he has the power to take our life whenever he would want to, but he blesses us with more life. That is something to praise him about. And if we're believers in him, that is something to praise him about too. Because he has saved us. And they had the option. They had that choice to be bitter. But they chose not that option. And now look, it impacted somebody else. Their actions impacted somebody else. Because the bottom of verse 25 says, and the prisoners... Heard them. Another thing about Roman prisons is so the outer parts weren't as dark, right? But the inner parts of the prison, the inside part, was considered to be super dark. And it was considered to be very secure. And even though they might have not been able to see in that part of the prison very well at all, they could still hear them. Amen. You know, there was others since they were in, like I said earlier, they were in a group. So that means, since they were all in that same cell-ish, like, group, that means other people had the straight-up opportunity to hear their praises, and they got to know that they worshipped God. And, you know, what I really think about right here is, do we do the same as what they did? Because those others that we interact with in our life should know that we have a belief in Christ. They should know about our testimony. They should know that we worship God. Yeah. And they should know that we witness. And we should also be trying to share them, Jesus Christ. Amen. And one of the things that I think got sent to me by one of my friends a few weeks ago was some sort of like... It was something on social media, but, so it was an atheist talking about uh, other Christian believers, right? And he was saying, he basically, the main point that he made in his video is he doesn't mind when Christians talk to him about God, because that's what they should be doing. And he said, if you're not going to tell me about God, you must really not believe in You must really not believe because what are we telling? We're telling that there's a judgment coming and hell is real. And if you die in your sins, you are going to go to hell. And he is, and the atheist was saying, if you don't tell me that, that means you must really not care about me. You must not really love me or you either don't believe about me. You don't really believe. (laughs) And, You know, if we're not telling our testimony, how can we say that we're being loving to another? If we're not sharing our story about what Jesus Christ has done to us, then that is a question mark. Because, you know, if we are saved today, Jesus Christ has worked a miracle in our life. Because the cross is the greatest sign of love, but it's A miracle of God's love towards us, and every single time a soul gets changed, it's a miracle. Amen. That's right. Amen. And you know that means as Christians, we should have to. We need to know, and we need to be ready to witness. Because I think one of the things, especially today, is we don't know how to open up about our testimony. We really do struggle with it because we're not taught really how to open it. And also, there's going to be people that are like, hey, just shut up. We don't want to hear you no more. Yeah. And, you know, that discourages us because, because it's not easy to be discouraged like that. But, you know, even though they tell us they don't want to hear it no more, we still need to tell them. Amen. Because you never know, when you'll have that person that's listening that is just like that atheist that really just wants to hear what you have to believe and really wants to see if you really care about them, if you really believe that is true. Amen. And, you know, the other thing is we need to be ready. And I think one of my favorite, like, I guess, quick testimonial strategies to share would be the 15 second testimony because it's so short that you can get a conversation started so quick about Christ and also you can see if they're open about it or if they don't want to talk about it. Because a 15 second testimony would basically be, there was a time in my life when I felt defeated and I felt discouraged. So you would say, there's a time in my life, and then you would explain how you felt before you met Christ. Yeah. And then, and the next part would be, then Jesus came into my life Then, then you talk about life after Christ. And you know what starts to happen? That life before Christ, it's negative. It's not good. It doesn't feel good. But the life after Christ shows the exact opposite. Because Jesus saves and he changes lives and he makes them glorious. He does, he makes a new creature out of something that was once dirty and despised. But he changes lives to great things. and then the last part after you share there was a time in my life where I felt defeated and discouraged and I felt like God couldn't use me then Jesus came to my life and he told me that I had purpose and he gave me a calling to do his will and then you know the last part is do you have a story like that? that's the part that clicks because you know now you're opening it up for them to see if they have a story that they want to tell. Or, and then, you know, it may open up a witness opportunity that you never had just because of because of it. And look, that is super quick, and it's super and it's a quick way to share the gospel. And it's a very effective way because you can see if first they're gonna be open to it, if they're not. And you know, and the other thing is once we say that we are a Christian, we need to definitely be ready because people are going to watch us. People are going to pay more attention to us just because they hear that we're a Christian now. And that means, yes, we're going to mess up. I'm not, we're not going to be perfect because, because we're not going to be perfect till we see Jesus Christ. Because only Jesus Christ was perfect. He's the only perfect. He's the only one to be blameless. He's the only one to fulfill the law. And since we're not going to be perfect in that way, we are going to fail. But sometimes, you know, we may just have to tell them when we're witnessing to lost people that we're sorry we messed up. We, we're sorry that we made this mistake. We weren't being like Christ. Amen. Because we're going to make mistakes. And even when we fall, we should be just showing, you know, we should just show that God forgives and God does save. The same exact thing that we're preaching or when we're saying to them. And now, I mean, the other thing is, you know when you start sharing your testimony, the devil is going to discourage you from sharing your testimony. The devil is going to try to keep that silent because he doesn't want other people hearing about it. He doesn't want other people getting changed. And one of the things I would say, never underestimate the power of a testimony because even if you share it with another Christian, you, you may just open up a conversation and you may figure out how much they are struggling in their faith. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Amen. You know, this is this part gets really personal to me because I use this on like one of my closest friends who's basically been a Christian like all his whole entire life. And then, you know, after I used it with him, then he started telling me about how much he was struggling in his faith. And I was like. I didn't know that. I thought, I did, I was so shocked when he started telling me that he had all these questions around the basic principles of salvation. I'm like, oh boy, that's not good. And then I started realizing that, you know, sometimes just sharing it even, you never know what is going to start up and never, you never know. But then you start realizing Christians are struggling too. And Christians definitely need that encouragement and they need that what's the best but they just you know sometimes they just need to know from the word of God the things about what they're struggling with Amen. Bless you, brother. and you know what we see next in uh, verse 26 we get to see the move of God and suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken yeah. and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bands were loosed. So we see what happens after their prayer and their praises. We see, we see a result of something that happens. We see a great earthquake. And you know, this earthquake was so great that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And what else happened? The doors of the prison yeah. got opened up, Amen. and the yeah. bands on the prisoners fell off. Yeah. You know, no normal earthquake could do that. Only the work of God could do something like that. Amen. Amen. And the work of God does great wonders that we don't know. We don't, I don't even think we understand how great the work of God and His wonders really are. Amen. Amen. And you know, in verse 27, we see the jailer's response and the keeper of the prison awaking out of his sleep. And seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had been fled. There's a reason why he was willing to kill himself, because here's how the Roman prison system worked. If your prisoners escaped, you were going to either be executed by the Romans, or number two is you were going to have to serve all of their sentences. And he saw it better for him to die instantly right there than to either suffer one of those two things that the Romans would have decided they were going to put him through. And, you know, because the jailers were responsible for any prison that escaped, prisoner that escaped, especially if a whole group of them, he probably would have got executed if a whole, a whole bunch of them got escaped. But, and then... And then we see the cry that Paul has. But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. You know, none of the prisoners left the prison. None of them left. And you know, this person was about to kill himself about something that he didn't know, even was sure about, had happened yet. And Paul cries out to the jailer, and, has, and wants him to hear. And you know, Paul did this out of compassion in his heart. He did not want to see a life go away without knowing Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. And we better have compassion on those souls. Especially ones that are in the church. And especially ones that are lost also. And, and you know, the jailer saw this. And then we see the jailer's reaction, verse 29 through 30. Then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Amen. You know, due to the darkness in the prison, this man calls for a light. And what he does next is really, I think, noticeable, is he sprang towards Paul and Silas. Yeah. You know, we talk about, especially one of our, one, of, I would say one of the major beliefs I've heard, is the altar is always open. Yeah. We, we believe that in this church. Amen. And I think the other thing is, sometimes if God is really dealing with you for anything, it is okay to run up to the altar, and it is okay to spread, To even sprang up to the altar like this man did. As long as you do it with the right heart. If you're doing it to be noticed, that's wrong. But if you're doing it because that is genuinely how God is making you feel, it is okay to do so. And, you know, this man just really, he just got touched and he got convicted by the Holy Spirit. There's a reason why he sprang because he wanted to know. How do I get saved? But you know, this man was also trembling when he came. And think about it. There's a reason why he's trembling. To know you're not right with God, to know that you're not saved, is a trembling feeling indeed. To know that you are on to judgment should be a scary thing. To know that when you are judged by Jesus Christ, and he's going to send you to hell is a scary thought. But you know, Jesus saves for a reason. Jesus isn't, he's not, Jesus isn't, Jesus is not going to put everyone in hell. That's not how Jesus works. You know, Jesus told, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Because Jesus Christ is the way. He's not willing that any should perish. Amen. He wants to see people come to him for forgiveness and of sins. And he wants to see them not go to hell. Right. Because it is sad. It's not. Because it does grieve God's heart when people do go there. That's right. Man. It's sad. It should grieve Christians' hearts. That's it right. should grieve because it grieves the heart of God. And it's not, it's a scary, it really is a scary place. Because people can talk about how all they want, that, you know, hell's going to be a party place or whatever because they're there, but that's not what it is. You know, the Bible describes it as a place of weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's terrible. And you know what's going to happen? Is they're going to be sent to the lake of fire and brimstone after Revelation happens. And they're just going to be there suffering for eternity because they didn't accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And, you know, Matthew twenty-two thirteen 13 is what mentions the weeping and gnashing of teeth. I just want to say that so you guys know where I'm referencing that point. But, you know, he takes them out. And really asked them this. He brought them out because he wanted to know something. He said, sirs, what must I do to get be saved? Yeah. And you know, this is, this is the part that I really, one of my favorite, probably first or second favorite part of this passage. And they said, I like that part because they were ready. Yeah, that's right. They were ready to witness to them. They were prepared, and they were ready. One of the reasons why, as Christians, we better know what we believe in. We better know what we stand on is because we are going to have to tell. If somebody ever comes up and asks us yeah. this question, yeah. we are going to have to be ready to tell them. Amen. Because if we're not ready, it's not, that's not a good thing. If we're not ready to tell them how to accept Jesus Christ right. into their life as their Lord and Savior... And the next part adds, "Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved, and thy house." And they spake unto him the word of the Lord, and to all that were in his house. Amen. You know they they were ready, and as they were ready, and we need to be ready too, just like them, Amen. and. Because you never know when somebody sees our testimony, they hear time and time again after we told them about Jesus Christ, time and time after again we've witnessed to them and we just keep trying to show them it. You never know that day that it clicked, And they're like, you know, I need to do something about it. I need to get saved. You never know when they're going to come up and ask you that question. So you better be ready to tell them how to. And Here's here's what their answer was, is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord. Then after they told him that, they spake unto him the word of the Lord. And, you know, here's the truth. Jesus came to this earth as a virgin He lived a life perfect. There was no sin, no guile, no fault, no blame found in him. He was blameless. He was innocent. And he came to this earth as fully God and fully man to die on the cross for the sins of the whole world. That's what he came to do. That was his mission. And he successfully completed it. Because, you know, on the third day, he rose again, which Amen. meant that God accepted the sacrifice of the Lamb. And all we have to do is admit that we're a sinner, just like this man when he came in trembling. Because, you know, for all I've sinned, you come short of the glory of God. Amen. And if we say that we have no sin, Oh, it's been a while. Maybe maybe I push myself. We but, deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Thank you. Right. <laughs> Amen. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Amen. And so if we say that, if we say that we have no sin, we're deceiving ourselves, and, it's, and the truth is not going to be in us. Because, you know, we have all sinned. We all have sinned at least once in our life. Because, you know, if we have told a lie, that is a sin. It's not, we're not talking about the bad things. We're talking about one single sin is what separates you from the kingdom of God. No matter how small mankind may say it is, it separates you from the kingdom of God. And you need a savior at that point in time. And you know, if you believe on him and confess your sins, and you just tell him that I'm a sinner and I need forgiveness of my sins, you will be saved. And, you know, you may even be questioning your salvation today. You may not know if you're saved or if you're not. But you know, what, you know what the Bible says? First John 5, 13. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. You know, you can know if you're saved today. Amen. You know, I liked what uh, I don't know. I don't know the pastor's name, but what I heard at Thursday at the tent revival. You know, it's between the only two that are going to know it. I'm not going to know if you're saved. I can't tell you. I won't be able to tell if you're saved or if you're not. But you know, the only two that know that you're saved is going to be you and it's going to be God. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Those are the two that know because you can know. If you have eternal life and you can know if you're saved today. Amen. And the next thing I really see in these two verses is you see, and thou shalt be saved and thy house. Yeah. And, and you look at the bottom of 32 and to all that were in his house, you know, it already started. The witnessing already started because there is a reach to the household. Amen. And, you know, this passage right here isn't saying if this man believes in God, that his whole household gets saved. That's not what it's saying. People may want to try to take that out of context, but that's not what it's saying right there. Because, you know, it's a personal decision. Each one of us have to make it on our own. You know, a child is not going to be saved because his parents were faithful. Or the parents aren't going to be saved because the children were faithful. It is going to be a personal decision that they make. It's a one-on-one decision if you accept Christ as your Lord and Savior or not. And as a job, as Christians, we have a job to spread the gospel. And one of the most important places to spread it and show that influence is in our household. You know, a Roman household made do look different than today's households, But you know, there's a lot of parents here today. And you know, they better be showing a Christ-like life. Because... Their kids are watching. Yeah. Children are watching to see if they are following after God or not. Amen. And, you know, that may just be like, you know, because I don't see my dad being faithful. I'm not going to follow God. They may say that. And that's, that's a scary thing. But, you know, there's a reason why. House, because parents have to be household leaders. And, you know, because you never know what your household leadership impact, if you choose, when you choose to be a godly leader in your household, will impact somebody else. And because parents, if you have children, think about it. You've been blessed by God with those children. Amen. And you're not going to show them who blessed you about your children. That, that's not good at all. You're not going to show the same one that blessed your children about God, especially when you have grown a life in church and you're not going to choose to show it. But you, as parents, we need to show, parents need to show their children as Christ. Need to show their children Christ. And they need to show that their foundation is on Jesus Christ in their lives. Because children should be aware of Jesus Christ and parents should be telling them, about the Lord and taking them to church and showing them Jesus Christ in their life because children are watching and you don't know who else lives in your household. You know, you may have someone that lives in your household that is wayward and you don't, and when they're watching, they are watching you too. And the household, there's a reason why we say it's one of the hardest places to witness in because they get to see the full side of you. They don't get to see the side of you at church or the side of you at work, but they see you all the time. And you know, think about it. They see you all the time and they see your faithfulness to God and they see just your patience when they do test you because they will, trust me, especially when they're not, uh, they're wayward. They're going to test you a little bit. They're going to test your patience sometimes and they're going to try to push your buttons just because they want to see how you react. And, you know, sometimes we got to have a little bit more patience with them, and sometimes we are going to have to have a little bit more grace with wayward people in a household. That is, that is a tough thing to deal with. But, you know, it, it just takes asking God for a little bit more grace. It just takes asking him to help us to really just be able to show them Christ through our life. And uh, the second to last thing I want to look at is, and he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes and was baptized, he and all his straightway. You know, this household, the father came, or maybe not the father because of how confusing Roman households would have been, but someone from the household just came in and witnessed to that household and showed that household Jesus Christ and they all got saved. And you know, God worked in the household. He did a miracle in the prison, and he did another miracle with saving all these souls. And, you know, in baptism, they got baptized straightway. And, you know, as my old pastor, when referring to baptism, I believe said it one of the best things about it. Baptism shows an outward sign of an inward change. Amen. And, you know, baptism is publicly telling people, I've accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, and the Holy Spirit has came and dwelled in my life now, since I've accepted him as my Lord and Savior. And and that is what baptism is. It's a public profession of an inward change that we have experienced. And that's the reason why baptism is done after salvation. It's not done before, because it's supposed to symbolize the change in life. And, you know, this isn't no tradition that we, you know, we picked up after the Bible was written. It's a tradition that is mentioned in the Bible. And I'll prove it right here. Acts two thirty eight. Then Peter said unto him, Repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Baptism has been taught since the foundation, since the Holy Spirit, since Pentecost. It has been taught even before that because Jesus Christ himself was baptized also. Because that was to be an example for each Christian that gets saved, that we need to be baptized. And if we're not baptized, it's definitely something that we need to think about because it is one of those steps of obedience that Christ has uh, wanted us to do. And the last thing that really just, stands out to me is verse 34 and when he had brought them into his house he set meat before them and rejoiced believing in God with all his house you know I can't help I can't help but you know I may not I'm only probably gonna have like just less than a minute on this but I can't help but share this passage because you know what happened they had a meal with Paul and Silas you may they may have had extra people at the household this time but there was something different about it It there is something different. That's right. Because they had something to rejoice about now, because they have all accepted Jesus Christ as their Amen. Lord and Savior. They were rejoicing about it. Amen. And it is something to rejoice if we know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior today. Because He because He has worked, He has made us a new creature. Amen. He has took. Old ways, he has took the dirty rags on us and clothed us with new shiny garments. That is a great thing that God has done and a great work.